Flushing, Queens is one of the fastest growing neighborhoods in New York City. Within walking distance of either of the two major train stations in the area, you can find a library, a state-of-the-art hospital, dozens of doctor's offices, and hundreds of restaurants. Although it is known for its distinctly Asian commercial district, over 175,000 people call it home. We're here to talk about the ins, outs, and machinations that are shaping the Flushing landscape. I'm your host, Demi Guo, and this is the new Flushing Project. As you can imagine, it's hard to get around in Flushing. It's so hard to get around, even though there are 11 bus routes that go through it. Most people who took a 2015 poll said that they prefer to walk. But lately, you may have noticed that Main Street does not have as many cars as before, and if you drive, you have to turn onto Sanford Avenue to get to Northern Boulevard, instead of cutting through Main Street in a straight line. There's a story behind that, and it's a smaller part of a larger battle that's been happening behind the scenes in Flushing. In 2019, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced the Better Buses Plan. It would clear the path for buses on New York City's busiest roads, like 14th Street in Manhattan, Jamaica Avenue in Queens, and in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, Main Street flushing. The plan was met with an immediate and vocal response, and not just from those living in flushing. Transit advocates all over the city talked about how the changes would help New Yorkers save time on their daily commute. However, many bus owners worried that the changes would impact the foot traffic that they need to survive. Right before the Better Buses plan officially rolled out earlier this year, I sat down with a spokesperson for the Riders Alliance, Danny Perlstein, a former canvasser on the Riders Alliance and current grassroots activist, Fulton Ho, and the executive director of the Flushing Chamber of Commerce, John Cho. They are some of the people who spread the word about the busway plan to residents of Flushing. We'll start with John Cho. John supported the busway from the beginning. He'll be setting the stage for us today. I'll let him take it from here to explain. What is the busway plan? I just want to clarify that the busway is a bus-only lane. We have gone to extreme lengths to educate people in the Flushing community that local access on Main Street is still available. So if you need to drop off someone, pick them up, make a delivery, uh, park in a garage, you can still drive on Main Street. However, you cannot use Main Street as a throughway from Northern Boulevard to, I believe, uh, Sanford. And I think that's a huge misunderstanding within our community. I just want to make sure that's very clear. The Greater Flushing Chamber of Commerce had been doing outreach since December of 2019. It's a full half year before the busway was even announced. And I worked with the activists at the Riders Alliance, Transportation Alternatives, and other groups to talk with not only the bus riders, but also businesses in the district. We've collected signatures from businesses that after I explained and cleared away some of the misinformation that was being spread, agreed, yeah, we want more bus traffic and foot traffic 
these are businesses that are barely holding on because they're not getting enough customers in the door. I care about the businesses in downtown Flushing. I want the same type of foot traffic that I saw in downtown Brooklyn, in downtown Flushing. And this issue of what's going on in downtown Flushing, we've had a busway in downtown Flushing since 2017. The southbound lanes on Main Street have been busways. The buses have had priority on the southbound lanes for more than three years. How many businesses have closed because of that southbound busway? How many businesses have had irreparable damage because of that busway? Name me one business that had to close because the DOT made the southbound lanes on Main Street a busway. Who wants to take public transit when you can walk faster on Main Street than taking a bus? If we care about the essential workers and the businesses, we should be open-minded enough to say, let's try this out. Before the pandemic was officially declared, Chinese businesses like the ones in Flushing were already struggling due to xenophobia. For an already battered community, many felt that changing the flow of foot traffic could either make or break their survival. Fulton Ho was concerned about outreach, how the community was informed about the busway plan. But I'll let him tell it. When I first saw the plan, that's when I took a step back and thought about what the implications are if this plan were to be implemented. We went around, we asked folks uh, who were either drivers or bus riders. We spent about two weeks gathering petitions and we have over a thousand signatures. For the most part, when, when I went up to folks, I shared with them the design and the format and the flow of where traffic would be directed. And I would explain the pros, right? And I would also explain some of the implications on how this would play out. And for the most part, people were either concerned or against the plan. I think that one of the big critique is how it will play out in terms of congestion on the side streets. Flushing itself is also a very family-centered community. And so a lot of people, when, when they rely on different modes of transportation, they have different needs. You know, Flushing, people think about bakeries, bubble tea. They think about the typical places like Nanxiang. They think about white bear, they think about comfort tea, but quite frankly, there's also a lot of places beyond these typical restaurants and bubble tea places that provide professional services, social services that people need to access. Based off the data from the commercial district needs assessment that was also conducted by the Flushing Bid and Greater Chamber of Commerce, across the commercial district, about 44% of households are car owners. When I went to business owners, I showed them you know, the plan, gave them the positives about increasing bus speeds, as well as you know, share with them some of the possible implications. And so there's folks that I think that might have signed on initially who had some second thoughts. Last year, when people along Main Street became more aware of the busway plan, a group of business owners even came together to file a lawsuit against it. A judge put a temporary restraining order on the plan. This is not the first time Flushing has actively battled a change of scenery. Here's what Danny Perlstein, spokesperson for the Riders Alliance, has to say. So there have been numerous, numerous instances all around the world 
of space on streets being taken away from cars. And it doesn't cause traffic havoc. You know, people combine trips, people eliminate trips, or people redirect trips away from areas where changes are implemented on the street to give priority to buses or to bikes or pedestrian plazas or open restaurants or what have you. You know, for, for individual opponents, they, they see it as a net negative. But like you're saying, you know, there's a lot else going on here. The 44 stretches from, from the middle of the Bronx to the middle of Queens, you know, Flushing is a, is a way station. Um, Flushing is also a, a humongous destination for bus riders from all across, across northern Queens and Nassau County coming in to catch the 7 train. Um, the history of the 7 train is that there was a massive amount of community resistance that stopped it from going any further east in Queens, which is why the rest of northeast Queens looks the way it does now rather than like downtown Flushing. We're talking about large numbers of essential workers taking the bus in and out of Flushing. We're talking about several tens of thousands of people now and at its height about 150,000 people a day and several minutes apiece. So that's several hundred thousand minutes a day that could be saved for working New Yorkers, for low-income New Yorkers, for immigrant New Yorkers. And to say that we should wait, you know, causes them irreparable harm. I've spent a tremendous amount of time in Flushing over the last 20 years, and I've seen the incredible densification of Flushing, you know, the immense success of so many businesses there. And really, it's the result of that success that have created this crushing congestion that now has to be addressed. And part of the rationale is addressing it for people right in downtown Flushing you know, who, who need to get in there but can't um, or can't, you know, in a timely manner. And part of it is addressing it for people who need to move through it because it's such a critical node where people switch from the bus to the train. While there may be a handful relatively of low-income car drivers, the overwhelming portion of bus riders are low-income. And so when we use the few low-income car drivers as an excuse for not improving bus policy, what we're actually doing is screwing the majority of people who are low income on behalf of a large number of people who are high income. The difference in Flushing is only that there's vast numbers of low income people who commute through Flushing. Many work in Flushing, but also many work beyond, both east and west, north and south, and they need better bus service to do it. And that's why it's not the responsibility of the city to run out the clock by listening to every local person's last concern. It's the responsibility of city officials to make a broader evaluation of the equities and say, Hey, look, there's plenty of people who don't have the time, are never going to get involved, are never going to tell us how upsetting it is to wait delayed in traffic every single day of their lives on a bus in Flushing. Controller Stringer did this great report and he said, look, the majority of bus riders are immigrants, people of color and low income, many, many, all three. Um, and that means that those are the folks that the city as a progressive government is trying hard to lift up. The busway is not enough. It's not enough at all, right? We, we, we need a busway, but we, it's, it's necessary. It's not sufficient. We need to do better than that. And ultimately, you know, this is what we said to the folks on the, on the Jamaica question of whether there should be a busway on Flushing, of, oh, sorry, on Jamaica Avenue or Archer Avenue, is that if there's a disagreement between, the, disagreement between the community and the DOT over where to put the busway, maybe everybody's right and there need to be two busways, right? So we, you know, far from it from us to say, don't, don't improve bus service on Prince, right? Or don't improve bus service on Union. But ultimately what that may be is a much less car intensive downtown. And that would be a good thing because it would be safer. It would be cleaner. It would be more equitable. It would be less polluting. It would be, you know, a climate positive downtown. And we think it starts with a busway, but it could very quickly scale up into a comprehensive plan to meaningfully reduce cars in and out of the whole area that would be immensely beneficial. But the fact that we don't do that all at once doesn't mean we shouldn't do this first. 
A Queen's Supreme Court judge denied the group's request and gave the city the go-ahead to roll out the bus plan, which is why Main Street now looks the way it does. To sum up what these changes mean for Flushing, we want to share a quote from John. I think it's really trying to figure out what is the correct balance. We need to look at the data. We need to look at what is the best policy and advocate uh, based on data based on what we believe is the best policy to address those challenges and uh, work uh, with our community. And I think that's uh, really what's really important about this busway debate is what is the future of flushing? Thank you for listening. This is Demi Guo of the new Flushing Project, sponsored by Asian Cinevision. Special thanks to our guest speakers, as well as our audio engineer, Neil Parohit, and the music producer, Fritter Republic, for our soundtrack. And the Asian Cineview managing editor, Michelle Ahn. Tune in next week for our next episode, The Waterfront.